Thank you for listening to Real Early. My name is Larry Sternshine. On today's show is my special guest, Dr. A.C. Aaron Christensen. I've known Aaron for well over a decade now, and he is one of the most knowledgeable horror movie historians that I know. He has released two books called Horror 101 and Hidden Horrors, which are worth going out of your way to purchase. Aaron is also an accomplished stage and film actor, best known for his role in the films Gags the Clown and Dead Weight. Both movies I like quite a bit. I was excited to have him on because of his knowledge of horror cinema, but also because of his charity work. Every October, Aaron does a scarathon by watching scary movies, all while raising money for charity. This year, Aaron is raising money for the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. WRRAP is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization assisting women who are financially unable to pay for safe legal abortions or emergency contraceptives. If you are interested in donating, click the link in the show notes. I think you'll enjoy this episode as we discuss growing up in San Francisco before the advent of VHS players and just how we discovered horror, a fun story about Dario Argento, and why we still love horror movies to this day. All that and a lot more. Without further wait, Aaron Christensen. All right, Aaron, what's up, dude? <laughs> hey, Larry, how are you? So my, uh, my guest here is Aaron Christensen, uh, Dr. AC, and I met you a long time ago now it feels like yeah well over a decade ago at our buddy fraser's house uh-huh. I'll, I'll never forget this because that was the first time i saw a phenomenon or phenomenon mm-hmm. with the monkey and everything and uh you was the first time i met you and you had just were so nice and you were so knowledgeable and you were just talk you know we were just having great conversations about horror yeah. and i was it was just um I was like, man, I just want to just talk to you like all the time. So like when I'd see you at like the music box of horrors and stuff like that, I was like, I got to talk to Aaron. So thank you for coming on to my show. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm thrilled because I mean, you know, you went and you went and left us and uh, understandable, you know, like uh, I, I, the, I understand the, uh, the happier climbs since we're like dropping down to like freezing tonight. But, uh, but I, I, yes, I, I remember, I remember Fraser had hosted like that marathon and it was in October and uh, yeah. And I remember seeing, you know, phenomena and I, that's just a fun, that's such a fun movie to watch people watch. If they've never seen it before, it's like, Oh yeah, well here comes the monkey with a straight razor. So just hang on to your hats, friends. That is the funniest thing about Dario Gento movies is everyone talks about Suspiria or yep. some of these other ones, but, I always tell people they gotta watch Phenomena because it's just so weird. Yep. It's yep. one of his weirder ones because it's basically like five movies in one. Well, my friend Ian Ian Simmons, who uh, runs the podcast Kicking the Seat, he and I went through a whole like series of Argentos because he hadn't seen any of them. That I think the only Argento he had seen at that point was Dario Argento's Dracula, and I said, "Oh no, no, that cannot be the only." Argento film you've seen so we we set about kind of remedying that and we took him through the uh through Deep Red and Suspiria and Phenomena and uh Tenebrae and and uh now he's he's much more versed I can't imagine seeing Dracula as my first Argento movie because <laughs> that is not good it's it's out there but I wouldn't call it good well and you kind of like go wait everybody likes this guy this guy's a legend well, he's actually has a really rough career because he kind of go through phases and he's got a new movie out 
which yeah. I haven't checked out yet. I have but, not seen it either. But uh, a few of my friends have seen it, and uh, they said it was pretty good. So I'm looking forward to checking it out. So I have a funny story about uh, Dario Argento's Dracula. I was I saw it for the first time in Brussels, Belgium. I was there for their uh, their international film festival, and Argento was present as a guest. As a guest, and uh, he came out, introduced the film, and then he and the organizers went off and had dinner. And the movie's playing. And, you know, it's a ridiculous movie. And like the, the Biff crowd is notoriously vocal and uh, they make a lot of comments throughout. And it was so, because it's so outrageous, like people were just laughing their asses off and we were just having a great time kind of at the expense of the film. But Argento wasn't in the house. So when he came back in, he heard this, I mean, he came on stage and we were just like, yeah, you know, thank you for giving us such a great evening of entertainment, even though it wasn't the kind of entertainment you intended. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, I, I, when I saw him later for like the Q and A, like he was just like, he was so happy because the people were so, they enjoyed his film so much. That reminds me of people that I know that will go see bands and there's an opening act that nobody knows and they'll just go crazy for them. And it actually gets a kind of better performance. And I would imagine he probably had a pretty good Q and a after that being happy, even though, I mean, we were, weren't really (laughs) being nice. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't, we we can't say that you made a good movie, but we were entertained. Yeah. Sometimes you see bad movies that are not entertaining. And sometimes yeah. you see entertaining bad movies, and that's okay, yep, because that's look, right. he's 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 a legend anyway in terms of his movies. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's about the legacy, you know, and he is he has more than earned his uh, his place in the in the books. So one of the things that I look forward to every year is October, as we all are um, for for Halloween and the spooky season, as my friends call it. Yep. And every year you do a watch of horror movies like many of us but one of the cool things about it is you kind of do it for for good right Mm. and you do for charity every year raise raise money for various causes right uh tell us a little bit about what gave you that idea to do that and uh who is the um charity that you're working for this year for sure thank you thank you larry and i appreciate you you've always been a uh a great supporter of that cause. Um, in 2010, um, I was doing, well, I had I kind of back up. I mean, like you, like every horror fan, I think, you know, like October is the time when we're given license to watch as much. And there's a lot more opportunities to watch horror films and people are talking about it. And it's socially acceptable, you know, for us, you know, like October's, you know, 12 months out of the year. I mean, we're watching horror movies because we love watching horror movies. But for October, it seems like people get it. And uh, I had been doing what was called the October Challenge, where you watch as many movies as you can. Uh, You have to watch at least 31, and 16 of those have to be first-time views. So you're not, you know, so you're continuing to expand your horror horizons. And 2010, I kind of hit, I I got to a point where I was watching a lot of movies every, every October. And I said, you know, this is a lot of time I'm investing in this it would be nice if I could give something back within that. And so I hit upon the idea of doing a fundraiser that was, hey, you 
kind of like a walkathon or readathon. If you pledge a certain amount of money for each movie I watch, then we'll raise a bunch of money and we'll give it to charity at the end. And that first year we raised fifteen hundred dollars, and it was like, oh wow, this is this actually works. Well, that's cool. And so it's become an annual tradition. And uh, I've gotten away from the watch as many movies as possible. And I've gone back to just watching 31 movies uh, just because, you know, life gets busy. And uh, uh, so I do I do 31 official Scarathon movies and people pledge a certain amount accordingly. And right now, uh, what we're doing this year is we're supporting the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. And they provide uh, financial aid for women who can't legally afford uh, uh, abortions or emergency contraceptives. They're also part of a really great network where if women need help uh, with, with housing or transportation, then they're able to provide that as well. Yeah, that's, it's very uh, worthwhile a cause um, because, you know, for me, the, the people having the choice to do what they want to do for their own bodies is, is, is important, right. especially because like, I know plenty of women that uh, would want that respect, you know, yeah. and, and I so, should, you know, you know, not, not to get political, but I mean, we, if, if we're going to live in a, in a, in a free country, then people have to be free to do as they see fit. And it can't just be about like, well, I'm free to have my guns. It's like, well, you also have to be free to practice how you, practice whatever religion you want you have to be free to love whoever you want and you have to be free to have you know your your body have control over your body so anyway i again um this is just one it's one small thing i can do as a male identifying human and uh, i'm gonna do it and uh i'll make sure that i you know link it in my notes and also thanks on all my uh twitter feeds and stuff and and i'm gonna mention out because hopefully People who listen will uh, be yeah. kind enough to uh, donate as well. If you go to WRRAP, it's the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project, but WRRAP.org. Uh, doesn't matter if you donate to my fundraiser. I really, if you make a donation, you can make just straight donation in your name, my name, however you choose. The other cool thing I'm seeing this year is a little bit different. <laughs> uh from the past is the uh the scare or the share the scare youtube videos that you've been yes. doing every day um i think today was titan yeah yep which um you have on three guests that would definitely talk about the movie way better than i could and i look forward to uh to listen to that because i saw that movie uh in theaters alone yeah. with a bunch of other couples that just happened to be there and it was, I'm sitting there eating popcorn, watching this movie and it's crazy in times yeah. and very interesting and not a movie that is more mainstream at all. Oh. <laughs> like, and there's like these couples and I'm like, I swear they're on dates seeing this movie. It, it had to have been just a weird experience to see me just like chomping on popcorn and <laughs> watching this, this movie that I think yeah, is it's, interesting. It is definitely a planet uh, or a movie from another planet. Yeah. So on uh on youtube uh everybody can go and check out the different reviews um a lot of it's interesting same, movies it's the same yeah it's the same um same website horror 101 with dr ac you can see uh you can either go to the youtube channel horror 101 with dr ac or you can go to the blog which will have the links to the the videos and, and reviews and things like that 
what has been so far the most uh, surprising movie you've seen? Mm. Well, Titan was certainly a, a surprise. Uh, one movie that I'd heard, I, well, I, I just did kind of like a top five because we're kind of halfway through the month. And I would say the top five thus far for October, I've really enjoyed Werewolves Within, uh, Antlers, uh, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, The Vigil, and Titan. And then I had a, a couple of special mentions of St. Maud, Censor, and Ben Wheatley's In the Earth. So those were those were kind of my top five thus far that I've encountered for the first time. Yeah, I I, I like that it's a very varied group of horror films. It's not mm. just here's like you've you've had the trashy with Malignant, and you've had <laughs> more classy with like Saint Maud, for example. Being sure. So I I think that's that's good to have a, a variety uh, in the Halloween season, which is something I try to do when I do my things is watch a lot of movies I might not normally have watched. Uh, for me, the the two things that have surprised me the most are two anthology films from the, mm. the Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Oh, sure. And uh, The House of the Dead from 1978, which is interesting because that one has a found footage segment, which oh, is, wow. I was like, wow, this is way ahead of its time because I think Campbell Holocaust is like 80. Right. And that's usually considered the first full length one, I guess. But this right, one right. is is uh got a found footage segment i was like, kind of blown away and but these two anthology films are good because they deal with stuff you actually are still dealing with now and you could remake it easily and it would just hold up just as well well so it's called house of the dead yeah yeah it's not the one that uve bowl oh, did obviously <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not that talented but it's uh one of the because i'm doing a this thing called hooptober on letterboxd and they wanted you to watch a like um, a regional horror film from the 70s. So mm. this one was like Kansas City, I believe. Okay. With some uh, local you know, students and whatnot. But it's actually really well made. And uh, I was I was just amazed that they had this found footage thing. I was like, and it was like a serial killer found footage thing, which you saw a lot of in the early 2000s when like hostel came out and it was like oh i'm gonna scare you with found footage serial mm -hmm. killer stuff so i was like yeah that, that was the one that i was real surprised at so so I what i mean what what are what's some of your kind of like hallow or october traditions that you've been keeping up well i do like watch movies so on like facebook for example i still do the october horror challenge uh, -huh. uh you know i post what i've done i think i'm at like Ted movies. I, I don't watch as many movies as I would like to these days. Um, but you know, I'm trying to get to that 31. I think I'll do it. Um, but I do that also in conjunction with this thing on letterboxd, uh, Hootober, this guy puts together categories and you pick movies that fit those particular categories. And those are great because they allow me to be more varied in my choices. Sure. So like, for example, a couple of years ago, I discovered this amazing double feature that I got to do a podcast on and it was uh um peeping tom and the tingler and I oh, happen to man. I just happen to randomly watch those back to back and they have very similar themes mm. of like uh movies and how they scare people 
and you know and fear being like a like a, a study of fear for both those movies yeah, yeah so i was like man i don't think i would ever discover something like that without you know being prompted with something like that so it's very very interesting you know so I'm watching just discovering things i had never would have even attempted so that's what do i you, do do you remember like the first like kind of like uh uh, like the first movie that like really freaked you out and if it was around if you can find one that was around halloween that you remember discovering uh like the first one ever sure I mean, well i know that i mean i've told this story in my show before but uh the two movies that got me into horror were poltergeist and nightmare on elm street mm -hmm. and it was on hbo for both of these and you know one's 82 one's 84 so i'm clearly way too young because i was born in 77 <laughs> and it's I, I think i have to give a lot of credit to my sister because one she was the one that told me to close my eyes when the guy's ripping his face off and then told me to open him right when you see his face ripped <laughs> off and i was like thanks i'm now <laughs> terrified because my room has a clown and a tree on the outside i was like okay Perfect. i can't do this but then but i was like that and Jaws, I also watched a lot too. And I was just fascinated by being scared. And then Nightmare on Elm Street was out on HBO. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this. And my sister and I watched it. And uh, I was in, it was an enthralling experience to to see something like this. It was like my first slasher, my first real super scary villain. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I dream, you know. So <laughs> so I was like, you know, terrified of this this movie. But it's it's... Like, isn't it interesting when you look back when you're young and you were like, what movies scared you and which other ones scared you, but not as bad as other ones? Right. Because, like, right. I remember one time I saw Cat's Eye and that little gremlin at the end. Oh, sure, sure. I was so terrified that I stayed and watched a Richard Pryor special after. <laughs> and I was still young. I had no idea what Richard Pryor was talking about. <laughs> I just, he seemed funny. But like it definitely helped me uh, relax, and and it, and I think because of that is because I like horror comedies a lot mm -hmm. because you know it kind of gave me that release that allow me to appreciate horror more. So I think well, like yeah, you know. I mean, I think if you're you know if you're of a certain, I mean, I I was born earlier than you. I was born in '68, and so you know back then there was no VHS. There wasn't cable for that matter. So it's like you kind of were. And the great thing about October is that that's when they would roll out all the scary movies. Like you would wait all year for them to do like their big, you know, Friday night fright fest marathons and, and uh, like Halloween week, they would always have something on, you know, like seven o'clock, maybe also at nine o'clock. And so I remember as a kid, because my mom didn't let us watch a lot of TV, but she knew I loved monster movies. And uh, Godzilla was kind of my gateway drug. And so like when I, when Godzilla was okay, you know, I was like, well, if Godzilla's okay, well, maybe King Kong could be okay. And if King Kong's okay, then maybe, you know, Frankenstein would be okay. And so by the end, you know, by the time I was like nine or 10, she was like, okay, cool. You can watch the, the scary movies, but that's all you can watch. <laughs> I'm like, all right, fine. So I would wait until, you know, October, because that's when I got to watch TV. And I remember there was one Halloween where they were playing uh, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. 
and I raced home from the school function, you know, the dunking, dunking for bobbing for apples and haunted houses, stuff like that. I'm like, I have to get home and watch. I was a teenage werewolf because I'd read about it in like, you know, tons of, you know, reference books and things like that from the library. And I remember watching, I was a teenage werewolf and there was that scene where, you know, Michael Landon, I know, I don't know if anybody knows who Michael Landon is anymore, but he used to be kind of a big TV star from Bonanza and Highway to Heaven. Um, but he, uh, he played the, the werewolf and he's like the droolingest werewolf you've ever seen. Like he's just like foaming at the mouth. But there's a scene where there's a woman who is, I think, practicing gymnastics or a dance routine or something. And he sneaks up on her in the gymnasium. And that scene was just terrifying to me as a kid. I was like, oh my gosh, because the werewolf's like my favorite monster. Because I love the idea of like, you know, you turn into something and then you turn back. And uh, I just, I, so I always, when I think about being a kid at Halloween, I always think about, I was a teenage werewolf, which I, I, it wouldn't even be in my top 10 or top 20, you know, favorite horror films, but it is always where my mind goes when I think about being a kid, Halloween, I think about trick-or-treating and then running home and watching I was a teenage werewolf. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the Bay Area in like San Francisco area. I, a little town just south of San Francisco called Brisbane. It's like a town of like 3,000 people. And so you could walk around the entire town in the space of an hour. And it was a really great place to grow up. It was kind of like a Mayberry because everybody knew everybody. So you could literally go trick-or-treating, you know, all around the town. And you would know who you, you know, it wasn't like you were just, you know, one or two streets. Like you, you could go all over the town and everybody knew everybody. And it was just, it was a really great place to grow up. And San Francisco had uh, Creature Features with host uh, Bob Wilkins. And then later John Stanley, who wrote the film or wrote the film book Creature Features, he was later the host as well. So I had a really solid, you know, horror host who showed up on Fridays and Saturday nights. And, you know, I got to watch a ton of stuff. And uh, the library was great in terms of like having reference books and things like that. So I felt like I was pretty, pretty well versed as a horror fan. Uh, and when I finally, you know, moved away to college and I could get my own VCR and watch whatever I wanted to watch, it was, it was amazing. Cause I mean, the, the gloves were off at that point. I'm like, what do you, you know, I would just go into the video store and be like, okay, just, I'm going to start with this row on the horror section and just, work my way all the way across and then go down to the second row, third row, fourth. And I'd be like, what else you got? I think about me growing up uh, in the suburbs of Chicago mm. and we had uh Sven Gulli, Yep. Who uh, like, uh, it, well, I, I was never really, I don't wasn't around with it for his, for the, uh, the original Sven Gulli, but it was more of the Dave Coe's son of Sven sure. What I, what I remember. And I sometimes talk to my guests about this how people now get into horror movies and is it easier or harder? Cause like when I was growing up, like I was lucky enough where I had cable, I had antenna, I had VHS stores. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of my discoveries were just because the television was like, we're going to show this movie at this particular time. And I think I was allowed to watch a lot of movies Maybe that I shouldn't have, but that I'd watch them <laughs> multiple times, and I want and, and like that's how you get to like love a particular movie. Yeah. And I wonder, do you think it's with streaming 
now it's it's harder because it's you have to choose what you're gonna see or yeah like what's your feelings on how well, people no, become no. I mean, fans? It's a it's a great it's a great question because uh, like you, I kind of grew up having these movies uh, given to me. You know, it's like you know they they thought it was worthy to have on their program. So here we're we're, we're programming for you. And in this age of instant access, you kind of have to uh, find your own path. When I did my first book, Horror One Hundred and One. It was really as a as cheesy as it sounds. It was meant to be a guidebook for the younger generation who were like, I don't know what the essentials are. I don't know what movies I quote should have seen in order to be a well-rounded horror fan. And so, you know, Horror One Hundred and One was like, okay, here's the silent films. Here's the Universal classics. Here's the Val Luton films. Here's the fifty sci-fi stuff. You know, here's the 70s uh, grindhouse stuff. Here's the 80s where effects went crazy. You know, and I, I just, I was hoping to provide a, provide a guide in the same way that my horror hosts had provided a guide for me. Because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have necessarily seen, you know, Dracula, the mummy, Frankenstein, things like that, unless somebody said, you should see these, these are important. And so that's kind of how Horror 101 came to be. It was like, Okay, you know, like if you want to be able to say you're a horror fan, here's a good way. Also, it's a great way to figure out what you like. You know, if you're like, hey, I really like watching Godzilla. Well, cool. Then you might enjoy watching, you know, other big giant monster movies. If you like watching Poltergeist, you'd be like, okay, cool. You might want to watch The Haunting or The Innocence or, you know, other kind of ghost stories. So I think you kind of like figure out what your tastes are by sampling a little bit of the buffet. Yeah, growing up uh, for me too, uh, I liked going to the library, mm-hmm. and one of the, one of the reasons why I'm not the most knowledgeable horror guy, but I have won some trivia contests for horror before. <laughs> I pick you and have on my team. Oh, you you probably should, but uh, <laughs> I a lot I learned a lot of that stuff just from from like picking up guides, movie guides. You know, like um, I had, I, I used to get the uh, Leonard Malton guide, yep. that yep. big, thick one, with like every movie ever made that he, I was like, oh, he watches a lot of movies and you find out he didn't write all of those things, obviously. <laughs> um, but like, I think it's much, it's different now because I don't know how much people read <laughs> anymore. Oh, right. I just don't know. Absolutely. I think they Google I mean, when I talk to younger horror fans, I mean, kind of what they do is they Google, you know, top 25 horror films. And you're going to get lists from different things on the internet. And, you know, I I would like to think that a lot of those people are informed. But I think uh, it also is coming from a place of personal preference, right? It's not necessarily coming from a place of here's the history of horror. Here's how things occurred and here's here it's happening in kind of a linear fashion um i love hearing that you're a library kid because i was as well like that was that was i mean we didn't even have vhs to go to so it was like okay let me um let me just go to this you know these are these are how i'm going to hear about these movies and when the title pops up in the tv guide and be like ah that's that movie that i heard about so i gotta circle that and set the vcr yeah i don't even think kids know what a tv guide is anymore because there's (laughs) 
I mean, nobody really even has. Why would they? I mean, they got their phone. I mean, they can look stuff up. But I, I think of some like Shutter, mm-hmm. and they're doing uh, 101 Scariest Moments movie mm-hmm. moments right now. Yeah. And uh, I mean, stuff like that is like basically like a book, but like in video form. And I, you know, stuff like that I think is going to get. If you're into horror, you get Shutter. You're gonna see this stuff, and that'll open yeah. up a whole world for you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we certainly had our share of clip shows, you know, when we were growing up. I mean, things like Terror in the Isles, um, you know, Terror on Tape, uh, just kind of like you know, movies that were comprised of clips from other movies. And I remember having my like, you know, my notebook out and like, you know, writing down a checklist of like, oh, okay, I've seen that, I've seen that. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Okay. You also do talks uh, often at various libraries, I've noticed, uh, with like you've done like history of horror and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, how, how is that for you to go out there and talk to people? Do you actually see a lot of young people at these or is it? Uh, you know what? It's an interesting mix. Um, you know, you have everything from the old to the young. Uh, you know, we, we do um, like we're this year we're doing various subgenres because like our first our first week we did vampires and then we did zombies and now we're doing giant monsters and then we're gonna do ghosts to wrap things up and i think it's interesting to see you know the different crowds that come out for the different subgenres <laughs> like you know like the vampires we had a lot of people uh kind of varied in age and then like for our zombies one I was surprised that you know, it was it was mostly like older folks and i was like oh interesting i would have thought like the younger the younger generation would gravitate toward that. So I'm, I'm curious to see who turns out to talk about, you know, or to hear about Godzilla and, you know, uh, uh, all the different iterations of Godzilla for that matter. Uh, I noticed that John Carpenter is actually hosting a Godzilla thing on Shout Factory TVs. Awesome. So you and John Carpenter could probably have a lot to talk about with Godzilla <laughs> movies, I bet. And lots of other things. I love to hang out with John Carpenter <laughs> and talk about Godzilla movies. Yeah, of course. Um, but hey, you often do stuff with uh, John Kitley, mm-hmm. who is also a guy who just knows a heck of a lot about for sure uh, about movies. What What is it about working with like him, like your friendship that uh, really is oh, wow. so important to you? Well, I thank you for asking that. Cause I mean, I, I, I talk about my horror experience as before Kitley and after Kitley, um, you know, before Kitley, I was kind of, you know, wandering around picking up what I could. Uh, but John's, John's been a horror fan for his entire life. And he was like, he was, uh, he, he started his website, uh, gosh, back in like the late nineties. So like, it's like one of the longest existing, uh, horror websites that has been running continuously. And John and I met at a horror convention. It was my first horror convention actually. And I, he, he sells horror reference books. And so I was wandering around the dealer room and I looked over and I saw this guy with all of these books from my childhood. And I was like, Oh my God, like I had that. And I had that. And, and, and he was like, you know, he could recognize that here was somebody who wasn't just a casual fan, who was somebody who, who really kind of dug in and did the research. And so I was, I was contemplating what would later become horror 101, my first book. And I was talking to him and I said, you know, like, here's kind of what I'm thinking. And he said, well, you know, if you want to, if 
you want to borrow any of my stuff, let me know. And I was like, wow, okay, uh, sure. And I didn't even know what I was, what he was offering at that point, because it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just that he was offering reference books. It wasn't just that he was offering to loan me DVDs. He was offering like his knowledge and his friendship. And he, you know, like he really embraced me and, uh, uh, you know, in this, it was kind of like having a horror host step off the screen and just suddenly become your best friend. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful to him. I, I always say that like, he's forgotten more about horror movies than I'll ever learn because, uh, you know, like you'll say a title and he'll be like, oh yeah, I saw that, you know, X, Y, and Z. And you're like, what? I just, I just found out about this movie. So. Yeah. He's uh, he, oh, every time I see him, him uh, reference like a movie, Mm-hmm. A lot of times I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know what this thing is. Right. Like, what is this movie? And then I got to, then I look it up and see what it is. I'm like, Oh, I want to see that. Well, and he I, is you know. constantly, you know, digging. He's so, he has such a, a voracious appetite for learning and, you know, finding, finding movies that he hasn't seen before and revisiting things that he, uh, I think he reads like, you know, two horror reference books a, a month. I mean, he's, he's kind of a machine in that regard. If you ever, uh, any of your listeners uh, go check out, Kitley's Crypt, K-I-T-L-E-Y apostrophe S, and then Crypt spelled with a K, K-R-Y-P-T dot com. Yeah, and it's amazing to have been doing that since the late nineties. I know, like, right? Like uh <laughs> I've seen those I've seen a lot of like the websites that have come and gone, and he's he's still out there, which means not, yeah, not it means people, people people are responding to to his knowledge and what he has to say. And that's for sure. That's something that I think we could all hope to achieve well and i feel like he's never lost that feeling of what it's like to be a kid and like looking for that next big thrill like you know he still goes to like drive-ins and he drives you know hundreds and hundreds of miles to go to conventions and like it just doesn't seem to get old for him and you know he's he's older than i am and i just i just i love i think you know, like if there was ever an argument that horror keeps you young, I'd say John Kitley's is a great example of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he's traveling to the various different <laughs> drive-ins and whatnot out there, yep. and like in in Colorado here, we've got some drive-ins, but like they very rarely ever deviate from whatever the popular thing is. Sure. Or in this October, it's always just the usual like movie that you normally get. Um, but I've seen some drive-ins out there that I'm like, I need to go there. But then yeah. I think, man, I got to drive there. <laughs> and here he is. He's, he's just like, yep. I'm going to drive there. And I'm like, yeah. it just makes sense to him. It's a funny story is that like, uh, uh, in 1982, uh, I was probably, I must've been junior high at that point, And I went to a drive-in in or around Longmont or Boulder. And I saw, Friday the 13th, one, two, and three, because that's how many there were at that point. So I saw a triple feature of Friday the 13th, one, two, and three. And I was like, oh my God, you know, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm a kid, so I'm probably way too young to be watching this. Uh, but it was, it was such a great experience. Was, the, was three in 3D? You had the, you had the glasses that's... and you, you, you could, you could put, you know, it was, it wasn't like super 3D. You know, but it, but it worked for us. Plus, I mean, that movie so so clearly got the coming at you moments that even if you weren't wearing the glasses, uh, you get it. They actually showed it at the Alamo Draft House here in 3D, but I didn't get a chance to go. And I was 
kind of bummed out because I, when I was a kid, my uh, sister went to go see Jaws 3D, and I really wanted mm-hmm. to go. And my my mom's like, "You're you're too young," and oh. she's probably right, but like, and it's also not a good movie, so she kind of yeah lucked out there. She's but doing you a favor, but yeah, actually, I I forgot to mention that yeah, I I did move to the Colorado area, uh, Longmont, uh, when I was eleven. So I grew up in the Bay Area, and then I kind of my junior high, high school, college years were in Colorado. So you're pretty much just traveling east as I'm you're growing up. I'm just moving east every like thousand, or I'm moving about a thousand miles east every you know, couple decades. How how did you get to the Chicago area? I I finished school. I was I went here. I went to school for the University of Northern Colorado. I went for acting, uh, theater arts, and I came out to Chicago to do stage performances, and uh, that's been my career uh, for since 1990 when I moved out here. That. Uh, has been a pretty successful for you too, because I, I remember you'd be like, "Hey, going to the music box?" Like I, I'm in a play, and I was like, "Man, that's that's great and disappointing all at the same time." You know? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're when you're like, "Oh, wait, I am the entertainment. I don't get to go out and do stuff." Like I didn't know what a I didn't know what a weekend was for a very long time because I was always doing shows on the weekend, and my free nights were like Mondays and Tuesdays. And you've had uh, experiences uh, doing a couple of films. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to talk to you briefly about those, if you don't mind. Well, thanks. Uh, so I, I rewatched Dead Weight last night, <laughs> which I think is a great movie. Um, and so true story, I'm finishing up today because I, I wasn't able to finish it last night. And just like the first time I was tearing up at the end, I was starting to, I was like, man, like, it really is an effective movie because it's it's a zombie movie, but there's no zombies. It's more of like yeah. how these people are surviving and this one, this character trying to get back to his his uh, girlfriend. Um, but it was in filmed in Wisconsin, wasn't it? Yep. yep. And it was snow, and we we kind of know what winters are like, and I, and I have to know how much that weather affected your your guys's performance and filming in that movie oh my gosh well it's i mean uh deadweight just celebrated its uh its 10-year anniversary uh we shot that in 2011 it came out in 2012 um so major nostalgia for that movie anyway uh but uh, john pata and adam bartlett were the co-writers co-directors on that and we shot the there it's there are two timelines in it one is the kind of post-apocalyptic setting and one is the kind of flashbacks of life before and we shot the apocalyptic stuff in sequence and so uh, that snowstorm was like a freak it was like a freak blizzard that we 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 had not anticipated at all like we were planning on doing stuff outdoors and we're like we can't be outdoors in this like and then, of course, you know, we were racing because the snow was melting because we shot it in May. And so, like, it was all this snow. And then suddenly the snow was, like, melting like crazy. And we're just trying to grab our shots as much as possible. But the great thing was, is, I mean, it lent so much production value. And it was exhausting, which is exactly right for these characters. Like, they're supposed to be, you know, just out roaming around trying to survive amidst the zombie hordes. And uh, it's similar to uh, Jeremy Gardner's The Battery, which is a, a great film, but the zombies are not front and center. You spend a lot of time with these two guys. 
And it's similar in that regard that you spend a lot of time with the survivors, not necessarily them fighting off zombies, but just kind of dealing with each other and other humans. Yeah, and, and your character is sort of like the leader, the facto leader of, of the group. And I really liked your performance because it, you, you really felt like you were in charge. Mm. But like there was a, a bit of like, you don't even know really what to what you're necessarily doing because like who knows what to do in a zombie apocalypse and I right. but I I I thought it was a really uh, great performance uh, in that one. Uh, um, it. Yeah, and you, you also worked with uh, your partner Michelle Corvey, right? Right. Yeah, Michelle, they, my wife, acclaimed actress. Yes, my my acclaimed actress wife. She's I great always say like, too. Yeah, Michelle is Michelle is uh, she's she's one of these award-winning actresses that I'm like, you're so much better at this than I am. <laughs> and I think she's really terrific in the movie as well. Yeah, I I, I did really like her. And uh, there's some choices that surprised me too with her character in the movie. Mm. And I was just sort of wondering too, like she's into horror movies as well, like you are, or is that something <laughs> that you instilled into her? Well, I, I'd say uh, Michelle likes she would say good movies with good acting. And as we all know that, you know, that isn't necessarily uh, the horror genres claim to fame is all of the great performances. Uh, there are certainly some. So, I mean, like she likes, uh, you know, things like The Exorcist and The Omen and, um, you know, films, uh, The Witch, uh, if we're talking like, you know, recent films. Uh, she really liked uh, this new French film, Titan. So, you know, like, um, I think that's kind of her criteria is that she likes a well-made film with some, you know, good performances. Whereas I'm less choosy in that regard. I'm able to kind of enjoy the film for what it is. And I'm always curious to see like what the highlights will be. If it's not the acting, then maybe the script. And if it's not the script, maybe it's the directing. And if it's not the directing, maybe it's the effects. And if it's not the effects, maybe it's just the idea behind what this movie could be. Um, or, to, or it's just the pleasure of like, how completely misguided the film is and you're just like oh wow this nothing's working here is it that is the and i've talked about this many times i love about horror is there's something for for everybody so you're gonna yeah. get like you know some really like highbrow a24 style which right, is right. what everybody describes a man and then you're gonna get real trashy stuff like terrifier 2 that's out there <laughs> right now and that's and it's kind of interesting how that movie is successful and then um, some other like, you know, like uh, God, any A24 movie, I mm -hmm. like on every single one. Uh, but like there's there's something for everybody. I think that's why I think horror is has endured so much over the years, in my opinion. Um, what, what are, why do you think uh, people still watch horror movies? Well, I mean, gosh. I mean, I think it's the age old uh, looking for something that is outside of our realm of our, our usual life experience. Uh, and there's that sense of being able to experience, experience that in a safe environment. But there's also that kind of uh, idea of it's a gauntlet you have to go through. It's a rite of passage. I mean, it was a big deal for us to have seen the Halloween movies or to have seen the Friday the 13th movies or, you know, I mean, 
even paranormal activity, one of the one of the great kind of marketing campaigns for it is that we're showing the audiences freaking out. And it kind of like it, it gave you this anticipation of like, can you survive this? And uh, I think that's, you know, I think there's some fun in being scared. I mean, we we like we like going to haunted houses and we like, you know, feeling that that jolt. And in the same way that like when we we go to listen to a comedian do a stand up routine, we don't know what they're going to say, but we're waiting for that moment that they say something we didn't expect and it just triggers that laughter in us. And I think we feel the same thing when we go to like a haunted house or watch a, a scary movie is that we we hope that we're going to get that surprise that evokes an emotion for us and and, and there's just there's something about horror and comedies that do that in a way that you know no drama can you know action movies are similar in that regard it's like you know like we're looking for something that thrills us and we're we're usually looking for and this is funny because we're looking for either something we've never seen before or we're looking for something that's exactly what we've seen before like we're either looking for something completely different or we're looking for the familiar what uh what is uh something that you've seen uh that surprised you that you didn't think you were going to like that mm. that made you think horror movies could be something you never thought they would be before if oh that makes, gosh i know wow. that's a that's a that's a heavy I, one that just came to my head right now <laughs> I, I tell you i'm super smart well uh, you are super smart um, I, I think uh, It Follows was a movie that uh, it works really well as a horror movie and it also has a subtext to it. And I think that's something I, I do. That's kind of the A24 model, right? Is that it's it's a film that can scare and can unnerve, but there's also, if you choose to, and you don't have to, this is what I love about it. You don't have to dig deeper if you don't want to. You can just enjoy it for the thrills that it, it provides. But if you choose to look deeper within it and be like, wait, is there, a, is there a message going on here? Is there something else that we're commenting on? I would argue that pretty much horror movies are a commentary on society regardless. Uh, even if you're just trying to make a Saw movie, you know, or something that's a torture porn movie, you know, something that's the low, you know, the low end of horror, the stuff that everybody's like, that's what horror is. And that's why I don't like horrors because it's all about torture and gore and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I would argue that there is a commentary going on there if you choose to look for it. And that's so, I mean, I know that's a, a broader answer, but I think like it follows and things like The Witch, things like, um, gosh, like Last Night in Soho, you know, films that have brains and genuinely talented filmmakers that are like, this is the movie I want to make. Hereditary, um, yeah, uh, Ben Wheatley, uh, when he did Kill List, and I really like his new one, In the Earth. You know, these, these are films that, that surprise me because they're willing to go to a place and uh, they're they're working on your brain as well as on your gag reflex. Yeah, it's we're in this 
time right now where I feel like we're starting to see more masters of horror come out, you mm. know, cause like every, every generation has their masters of horror. And yeah. right now I think of guys like Robert Eggers and Ari Aster and right. um, various, um, who is the one who directed the new Candyman? I think she's really good. Oh, Nia DaCosta. Yeah. You know, people like that jordan peele like we're starting mm-hmm. to see too uh which is great is more diverse voices as well for sure for sure you know and i think that might be what carries horror into the future because like look let's be honest we've seen plenty of like white teenager in peril but like what what is a black teenager in peril look like and right. they've had different experiences that you know i'll have and i think that it's probably what you're going to see a lot more of, which makes it very exciting for, for anyone as a horror fan, because they're going to see different voices. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it's interesting because, um, uh, I mean, certainly there, there have been the white gatekeepers for so long. And I was always kind of like, you know, well, why don't we have more black horror films and black filmmakers? I mean, the answer is just, they don't have, they have not had the same opportunities. And I love that those doors are starting to get kicked open and that an audience that they're showing that there is an audience for this. Uh, I thought the Candyman, like seeing, seeing Candyman through a black lens was just extraordinary. Uh, I had some issues with the film itself, but I love that I'm as a, a white cis male being able to watch a film that is told through a black lens by black filmmakers performed by black performers and going, okay, like I I feel enriched by this experience in a way that I hadn't anticipated. That that's a kind of a great example for, for your question from earlier, is that like I didn't um, and I think we also live in a world with thanks to Shudder and you know uh, 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 the physical releases because we're getting a lot more foreign horror, like the new millennium, you know, since the 2000s on, I feel like we've gotten so much great foreign horror brought to us that we're able to experience uh and be like oh it's not just the american you know vision of what what's scary it's like oh i get to see japanese ghosts and i get to see um gosh like you know hong kong vampires and (laughs) you know like there's just there's a there's a whole world out there and we're getting to we're getting to experience it firsthand I was just brought dinner. Uh, How great is that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the the future of horror is pretty good, don't you think? I I don't think it's ever going to go anywhere. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have great horror uh, as long as they're making films, and I and we're seeing, you know, the in this age of the internet, like the whole like horror is is changing constantly. You know, like the whole creepy pasta thing on online you know it's like i feel like movies are morphing movies are changing our film language is changing our languages viewers are changing our expectations are changing and so like how often do we get to see a three-act structure anymore like we're going to have time played with us we're going to have visuals that we hadn't expected uh so much is is so much is available to these filmmakers uh you know, just the tools that are available. And as with anything, it's what they choose to do with them that's going to make the difference. 
I saw Barbarian, for example, and that one has a structure that you don't see that often in horror movies. And I think that is very exciting for old horror fans and young horror fans to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, to, to experience things that, you know, they haven't experienced. And then they can go back to the older movies, yeah. you know, and see like how it used to be done or how it's not being done anymore and whatnot. And I think I th- right now, just thinking about it, these movies that are changing the game are going to help with uh, young people sort of getting into the whole genre as new fans. So yeah. it's yeah. a very exciting time to be a horror fan right now, I think. I agree. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I, I Again, being born in 1968, I feel like I got to grow up with the modern era um because that was the same year that you know rosemary's baby night of the living dead came out and so i feel like i've i've been fortunate enough to be positioned where i could look forward and look back equally and uh you know i i love that i love that the genre keeps growing and that we keep having we leave behind this rich legacy but we're always looking forward to the new the new thrill and I think that's the one thing I always invite horror fans is to not just get caught up in what's coming out now, but to also continue to look back and to maybe revisit movies and see, because the movies don't change, but we do, right? So it's like, I'm able to watch, if I watch, t- uh, I was a teenage werewolf, I'm going to see something different than I did when I was eight years old. It's the same movie, but you know, I'm not the same person anymore. Have you thought about uh, writing or editing a new book? Because like mm. Hidden Horror was a great pickup that I got because there's movies in there I hadn't heard of or I have heard of, but reading about them made them interesting. Yeah. And with there being you know a lot more fans out there from different uh, backgrounds, points of views, and whatnot, have you thought about doing something else or? You know, I absolutely, I have. And I think what goes, what I go back and forth on is, as you said, like, I don't know if the, you know, is there an audience for a book these days? Is that the best way to reach people? I also know that, you know, I am who I am and I like books. So I'm probably going to, probably going to do another one just for my sake. And, uh, but I think I'm going to continue to explore, you know, the, the online platforms and uh, the blogs and uh, the websites and um, and yes I, I would say a book is not uh, not probably too far away I have I have uh, I had intentions this year and life got in the way but uh, next year is another year so we'll see wow that's that's very exciting I feel like I have a scoop even though I'm sure other people already know that uh, but that that's great uh, I hope that people who are listening to this, who may not be familiar with you, uh, go click on those links and, you know, check out your books, your, your video blogs, and also donate to that great cause. Um, but I want to thank you again for uh, coming on to my show. I was really excited to have you on. Cause I, you know, I, I respect you and your opinion so much and your knowledge and you, I've been lucky enough for you to share that with me. So uh, hopefully people will, get to be recipients of that as well i love that you have this platform and it gave us the opportunity to just sit down and and yak 
yak and share like we did back in the good old days. So uh, this has been a real treat for me. And, and thank you so much for having me on and for uh, giving the Scarathon a little little spotlight and just kind of let me uh, let me yak back and forth with you for a while. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. It's been a real pleasure. So thanks again and hope you have a good night. Thanks. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody.